when I first told my daughter what we were doing, she was like, oh, mum, that's just disgusting. I'm <laughs> there's no way I will be part of that and then of course I was like well we really need you to you know try it out and and now she said she wouldn't I mean you know this is two years down the track she would never ever use a tampon ever again Mm -hmm. and all her friends use hello cups and you know they're our best advocates because they're our future and they're our they're our true target market because for them if they start using hello cups at their age they will only need about seven in their lifetime and you compare that to 11,000 tampons or pads that they would go through if they were going down the single use road it's nuts and even if they didn't recycle those seven cups their footprint is so small in comparison but if they do recycle them then they've got a zero it's a zero waste Welcome to SheEO.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hi there, I'm Mary Bond, and I'm co-founder of the Hello Cap. Hi, I'm Robin McLean, and I am the other co-founder of Hello Cup. Hello Cup was founded by myself and Mary in 2017. Mary is a registered nurse, and I'm a former journalist. And we started Hello Cup because we found that there was a huge gap in the market for a fun, quality-made menstrual cup. So Hello Cup is a menstrual cup, and Hello Cup is made from medical grade TPE, which is a type of plastic and we chose it because it allows us to recycle our cups, which was really appealing. So they last a long time, but the recyclable element also makes them zero waste. They're also hypoallergenic. Yeah, just super cute. Amazing. Well, your branding is off the charts and let's just be clear too, where are you from with your beautiful accents, ladies? New Zealand. We're from New Zealand. (laughs) New Zealand. Yay. All great things come from New Zealand. Awesome. So let's step back in time a little bit. So journalist and nurse meet and of course create a menstrual cup. How did that happen? Robin and I have been best friends since we were 11 years old. We went to school together and we've been best friends ever since. We've lived, uh, we've kind of lived in different cities and different countries a lot, um, a, a huge sort of part of our lives, but we've always remained close. And We had our first babies, daughters, within a year of each other. They're now almost 17 and almost 18. We had always talked since they were born about going into business together. And we'd thought about all sorts of things like babies' clothes and kind of cute things like that. But then one uh, rainy Sunday, I remember it clearly. I had got a phone call from Robin saying, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what we should do, what we should do for our business. We should make menstrual cups in New Zealand. And I think there was probably like a little bit of silence from my end while I kind of digested that concept. But Robin and I have all both had pretty shocking periods over the years, difficult to manage periods. And when we were growing up, menstrual cups were never presented as an option for us. Robin, in desperation, went into a pharmacy in Hawke's Bay in New Zealand and talked to a pharmacist there who suggested that she try a menstrual cup. She tried it and just was absolutely blown away by what a game changer it was and how um, easy it made a heavy period, how much easier it made to manage. 
but nobody at that point was making them in New Zealand. And so the idea was born. Amazing. Okay, so Robin, is that how you remember things? Yeah, the, the first feeling was utter devastation, really, because that I hadn't been told about menstrual cups or used one when I was a teenager because I hated having my period at school and I, you know, I'd taken a lot of time off when I had my period because I had terrible period pain or that my flow was really heavy. And so as soon as I tried a menstrual cup, I thought, God, all those things helped by using a menstrual cup. For a lot of people, they help with pain as well. For some reason, I don't know. We don't really know why that is, whether it's that some bodies react to the chemicals that are in tampons. It really was that light bulb moment. From that conversation, it was all go. It was, there was no, we just sort of never stopped to draw breath because we were like, okay, and we can do, we can do, we can make it out of this and we can have the tagline bloody brilliant and we can <laughs> tagline no strings attached. And the only thing we got stuck on really was the actual name of the company, what we would call the company. Well, so how did you get to Hello Cup? Like, how did that happen? We had a big ideas board and we had lots of names. At one stage, we had Fanny as the leading contender. In New Zealand, it's sort of a colloquial name for a vagina, but in the States, it's kind of somewhere else. So we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had to rule that out pretty quickly. We got really stuck. And then Hello came up as a positive welcoming phrase a lot of other cup brands use names that are to do with the sort of lunar cycle and we just wanted something that wasn't negative in connotation not that other cups necessarily were but we just wanted that we wanted the conversation around periods to change and so hello was like oh hi welcome back you know you it's sort of the way you would talk to an old friend and not that whole oh god I've got my period you know I hate my period more like hi I've got a great solution for you here's a hello cup. And so we're hello with a full stop after it, which my, my 16 year old daughter suggested. So we're hello period with not period the word, just the full stop, which obviously again is a, in New Zealand, we, we call them full stops, but because of the emergence of American language and ways, especially with things like Netflix over here. And so most younger people are also aware that a full stop is also known as a period. So whether you get the double entendre or not doesn't really matter because hello is still a, a nice welcoming name. But if you see hello period and, and get the hidden meaning, then that's good too. It totally is. I mean, I, your branding is just spectacular. And I can't help but sort of step back and think, so I'm 55 and I don't have my period anymore, thank God. And yay for those who do. Like there's just been such a huge shift in this space, right? Massive from never talk about it, hide it, the curse, I think is what my mother's generation called this, to people out talking about everything. And you have so many people on your Insta posting pictures and talking about how to put this in. And like, it's just, it's so beautiful and celebrated. And so Mary, from a nurse's perspective, have you seen a lot of shifts in this space in your work? And how are you helping with that dialogue and narrative? Um, so there's a couple of ways. When um, we started, we'd be invited to go and talk to schools, anywhere from kind of 11 to 17-year-olds. And when we started, often we would go in and there would 
kind of be giggling when we would say, you know, talk about a menstrual cup or, you know, people hadn't heard of them. And we're, we're not even talking two years ago. We're kind of talking 18 months ago. For a lot of those teens, we were introducing a concept. But actually what we found really quickly is, especially in New Zealand, they all know what a menstrual cup is now. So it's not just about choosing something which is better for your body, but there's a huge movement towards something which is a much better option for the environment. And we've found sometimes with older people, they're not so interested in the zero waste aspect. They're more interested in, it's more comfortable, it's better for my, it's easier to manage my period, especially traveling or what have you, and I save money. But for teens, it's all about not using single-use products, which end up in landfill. So that change and actually the knowledge that a menstrual cup is a first option, I mean, it's changed in a really short space of time, especially we found in the New Zealand and the Australian market that it's happened really quickly. And we specifically designed, it wasn't one of our first products, but we knew right from the beginning that we would produce a smaller cup, which could be used as soon as somebody got their period. And at that stage, I think there might've been one other company that produced a cup that was small enough to use as a beginning product. So that was a great way of introducing teens to a menstrual cup, that there was one that didn't look daunting, that was soft, obviously looked cute and fun. And so the concept of it wasn't quite so scary. What are some of the stories that have been emerging from your customers as they start to use this? And as you see how people are talking about things online, do you want to share a couple of those anecdotes? Almost all of our emails start with an apology (laughs) to say, TMI or too much information. (laughs) We're like, oh my goodness, there is no such thing as TMI in the Hello Cup world. Like, bring it on, tell us your stories. And, you know, we do get emails from people as young as 11 and 12. And sometimes they'll write to us before they buy a cup to say, look, you know, is is this going to work for me? And a bit scared. And and then we get the follow up emails, and they're just amazing. But you know, we've had a couple of situations where not in the teenage market, but in the older market where people have said, look, I've got a low cervix or, you know, we've had situations where a woman has had two cervix or issues where the anatomy isn't what we'd call in the normal parameters and have really struggled with periods, you know, or have had terrible cramps with endo and then have used a cup and have come back and said that it works really well and it's changed their life and you know so we're really able to then take that information and when we get another email that says I've got this issue we can say look we we know that these work for people with all sorts of different period issues and anatomy and yeah. You know issues aside the main comments we get are thank you you've changed my life. People like me go and are apprehensive about trying something new especially if they've used something like um, pads or tampons for the majority of their life. And again, if they're sort of around my age, which is, you know, older than I'd like, I'm hoping I'm towards the end of this journey. And so to make a shift into a completely new product is is, is a really big step for a lot of people. But they make it because I think we're all trying to do better things for the environment and sanitary waste is a huge, huge, huge issue. And you think about 
the difference that one person can make, even just using reusable sanitary products over one period, is significant. So they make the change and not only are they feeling great that they're doing something worthwhile that they never knew that they could do environmentally, their periods are easier. And I think maybe a lot of people with periods towards the end of their cycle, as they head into menopause, their flows change and often get heavier. Certainly that is the case with me. And I just haven't, I don't know how I would have coped without Mm. having menstrual cups because they hold more. So I'm actually able to go about my day, whereas I don't think I would be able to if I was still using tampons. They just wouldn't hold enough. It's so interesting to me that this has not existed in the world before. And this to me is like a classic example of the sort of structural inequities and the fact that it's really hard for women to get funded and supported. And so how old is this concept of cups? Like, has it been around for a long time or is it literally just something that emerged recently? Menstrual cups have actually been around for a long time. They were invented by an American actress. I think, is this right, Robin, in about the 1920s? 30s. 30s. Then in came big business companies that make single-use products that, you know, their whole business concept is that they sell a product to someone every month. So every month you have to give them money. Now, menstrual cut, you ask someone to buy one and then you don't ask them again for five to 10 years. So in terms of a business strategy, maybe not such a great concept. So what happened is big business just, they weren't interested in producing menstrual cups. When I think about when Robin and I were teenagers, the period education was funded by tampon and pad companies. You know, and you could send away a little little card from a teen magazine and you'd get free samples. So generally, the samples that you received in the post would be the product that you'd buy every month. It just simply wasn't good business practice. But when anybody asks me about, well, why, why would you have a company where actually you're, you're only selling one product every five to 10 years? That's just madness. But the fact of the matter is that our potential number of customers is absolutely massive. And, you know, we're looking at 50% of the population at some stage of their life are probably going to have a period. So the numbers are, are massive. But it's just simply that these big companies, have, they've shut it down. They've just shut it down. So it, d- it did exist. And there certainly have been some companies that have been around for a long time that have produced menstrual cups, but they've been in a, you know, sitting on the bottom shelf of a health food store or buying online. And they haven't been like, a, hey, here I am. I'm a menstrual cup and I'm awesome and I'm cute. And, you know, you're going to want to own me because, you know, so we're really just pushing into that space to say, look, it's not daunting. It's really comfortable. It's really easy to use. We're here to support you with it. And it looks beautiful. The packaging is beautiful. You're not going to want to throw it away. You know, the cups come in cute colors. And you think that something that is kind of hidden inside a vagina, it wouldn't actually matter what color it is. But we know it it actually matters a lot. And people do care. So that's really changed the game. It must feel really amazing. can't think of a better word right now. To be doing something that has such deep meaning. Especially at a moment in time right now where the zero waste product in the market, amazing. And to help with all of this single-use everything, I mean, I think we just put a big X through anything single-use. It's just like so brilliant. Let's talk a little bit about the business. 
neither of you come from a business background, always my favorite thing with entrepreneurs, because they, you know, like oftentimes when you don't come from a business background, you tend to be super innovative and just like do it your way. And so you've got a couple of things here. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about being besties and working together in a business. What does that bring up in terms of challenges? So maybe Robin, we'll start with you around what's it like to be co-founding company with your best friend? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, It's actually, it's great. It works really well. We're comfortable with each other. We have never really had a volatile friendship anyway. I think that, you know, you can have certain types of relationships and, and be close. And I think because we've got very different skill sets, the, the business has sort of fallen relatively naturally into, into roles that, that we want to take up. Obviously, as we grow, that's becoming different because Mary and I now together need to front the business and as we grow, we'll have staff to do the, the bits and pieces that we were doing. We're also based in different cities. <laughs> we, we talk a lot, but, you know, we, we're not there. To, there's no boxing ring in the corner where we can fight things out. Because if we, we talk when we need to talk and otherwise we get on with what needs doing. And that's really helpful because we're not in each other's space the whole time. I mean, it is amazing to be co-founding a company and building something when you're not in the same city. That's tough. It's kind of tough, but it's also the way of the future, you know, like, look at us, you know, we, you don't need to be in the same space anymore. You can do business globally. We wanted our cups to be made in New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand's the bottom of the world. And while it's the, the most awesome place in the world, a few years ago, even doing this business would have been a lot harder. You know, there's a perception that big businesses are always based in the US or, or the UK. And I think a lot of people actually think that we are. US based. But if we if we need to be in in the US, then it's very easy for both Mary and I just to jump on a plane and go to a meeting. It's it's a long way, but it's we're fine with that. Mary, talk to me about so you both have daughters. What do they think about what you're doing with your company? And are they involved? Uh, so Robin's got one daughter and a son, and I have three daughters which kind of span who span the ages. So four 12 and 17 and I think in the beginning so my youngest daughter Hello Cup is just her normal because she spends so much time in the office but I think in the beginning they probably we've always been really open in our family I probably being a nurse I would imagine about periods and sex and everything but I think in the beginning they were like oh could you not could you not do something else like you know something <laughs> like that. I think they lasted for about five seconds and they're so proud and my oldest daughter she actually there's like a New Zealand scheme it's called a young enterprise scheme where you sort of develop a business and she actually sells the Hello Cups to school her kind of school friends in Christchurch through that so she really has had to up her game about knowledge and support uh, around that and that's been amazing and my 12-year-old is just so proud. But, you know, Robin and I, when we were 11, when you were 12, we never talked about our periods. I don't think we ever talked about our periods in our teens, but they talk about periods all the time. So they, they're really comfortable with the concept. So it's just kind of a different time. They're awesome. I mean, they just are incredibly supportive. They love the company. Robin's daughter and my daughter are best friends. So, you know, they, they, they both have input. Um, Robin's daughter does a lot of our artwork on our Instagram. She's incredibly talented. So, you know, they're all kind of involved and yeah, they, they're just really, really proud. When I first told my daughter what we were doing, she was like, oh, mum, that's just disgusting. I'm 
Um, there's no way I will be part of that. And then, of course, I was like, well, we really need you to, you know, try it out. And and now she said she would, I mean, you know, this is two years down the track, she would never, ever use a tampon ever again. Mm-hmm. And all her friends use Hello Cups. And, you know, they're our best advocates because they're our future and they're our, they're our true target market because for them, if they start using Hello Cups at their age, they'll only need about seven in their lifetime. And you compare that to 11,000 tampons or pads that they would go through if they were going down the single-use road. It's nuts. And even if they didn't recycle those seven cups, their footprint is so small in comparison. But if they do recycle them, then they've got a zero, it's a zero waste result, which is makes me so happy. I mean, this is really, when we use design to solve the challenges we're facing, and we don't think about purely making money, but like what kind of life we want to live and how we want to design for the challenges we're facing. I mean, this is really exciting. So let's talk a bit about what are some of your business challenges these days as you start to scale? I mean, are are you still just selling in New Zealand or where are you selling in the world? Right at this moment in time, our biggest challenge is shipping and customs. So Ron and I are non-negotiable around where our cuts are made because we want complete transparency in the process of making them, the materials that we use and making sure that the quality is top-notch. But what that does mean is that we have to, as our, our... strategy at the moment is focusing, Australia and New Zealand are going really well, and our strategy is around getting into the US market. It's the getting the cups there and getting them through customs, which is not only expensive, but incredibly time consuming. And, you know, we've had a number of shipments that have simply been stopped and just haven't moved. And that happened. So we're in Urban Outfitters online in the US, which was a major coup for us, uh, not only because we were selling them in a huge, well-known chain, but in terms of creating conversations with other potential retailers, Urban Outfitters really kind of excites people. But what happened is our first shipment there, which was obviously packed perfectly and, you know, we, we shipped it in plenty of time and it just it just got stopped and it didn't ship. And we, we just knew that if we didn't get it through that they wouldn't order anymore or they'd cancel uh, our relationship. And that continues to be a real issue for us. And when... Robin and I were recently in New York at Indie Beauty, which was an amazing event for independent beauty manufacturers. When we were talking to people there, they just wanted to know that we had warehousing in the US. It was almost the first question. They just didn't want to deal with the whole process of getting individual shipments from New Zealand. And we are working on that. But when you're small, and even if your growth is really fast, a lot of the third-party logistics and warehousing companies, they just don't want to know about you until you're shifting huge numbers. And so that's been really challenging for us. And that probably is our number one issue at the moment. We feel like uh, the structure of the company and our strategy and the team that we have is just fantastic, but it's the shifting of the products that And I I think a lot of companies that are exporting, that's their real pain point. Okay, so for those of you listening, if you have a solution, please reach out to the Hello Cup ladies in New Zealand. You can find them on our website, sheeo.world. As you're funding your venture, what are some of the challenges you're facing as you're bootstrapping and growing? So we've always been bootstrappers. Robin and I funded the Hello Cup. We 
continue to hold all the equity um, ourselves. When we were a successful CEO venture, that was obviously a lifesaver <laughs> because it was an injection of cash when we really needed it. And we were at a point where we really needed to employ some staff. So that was incredibly, incredibly helpful. It's an interesting road, the whole money one. We've really struggled to get great support from a New Zealand bank. It's been really hard to get any financial support there, and we continue to work on that. We were approached by some investors that we felt like were a good fit for us, but as it turned out, our philosophies were quite different, and we decided not to pursue that. We are now at at the point where we are negotiating with an angel investor, a family member, which is great because we know them and trust them already, which is fantastic. So that will be the first time that we have given up a small part of uh, our equity. And we're just really at the point where we're really thankful to have that and that's really going to help us grow to the, to the next level we're just going to do a bit of waiting and seeing, but that will certainly give us enough money or financial support to really do the things that we want to do within the next six to 12 months. Great. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important for all of us to remember, and it's great that you did not go forward with someone who didn't fit your values, because that can really screw up a company, obviously. First of all, being from such a cool country and a small country, it feels like there's so much connective tissue in New Zealand and the cohort that you're part of feels especially close. And can you talk a little bit about what it's like to have support of another group of female entrepreneurs around you to ask for advice and help you along the way? So obviously our group of CEO Successful Ventures were the most awesome group ever, <laughs> of all time. We'll never be as cool a group, just let you know, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, it's an amazing support network. We're really struggling to try and find a time where we can all physically get together. We're spread far and wide in New Zealand. And I know that the distances are, are quite small, but everybody's just really growing and just doing amazing things. And we really, really want to get together just because even aside from being amazing support in a business sense, we, we really enjoy each other's company and we're all at similar points in our business. So that's been absolutely phenomenal. It's We've met some amazing people and we have got somebody in mind that we're really keen to connect with from a, another New Zealand company. It's really hard to work out. There, there is so much help out there and so much offered help and support and to work out because Robin and I are so, we feel like at times we spread ourselves quite thin, just working out what are the best connections to nurture. So that's, you know, that can be quite tricky. Yeah, that's a real challenge for startup businesses is that there are a lot of networks. We have no time. The benefit that networks can offer is potentially huge, but how do you organise your time to make those connections and I think we've we've definitely struggled with that because if we if we could stay awake for 24 hours a day we would working on Hello Cup but we also know we need to get out and and mix in in that business world we're not gun shy as such but we've spent so much time like when we were talking to inv in these investors and when we were you know we were trying to talk to various banks about what loans we could get and it takes so much energy and then when when nothing eventuates 
we're like, oh, okay, well, we've, you know, that time could have been spent growing the business and yeah, it's really tough. But this is one of the hardest things about when you, where do you put your time? Yeah. Right. And there's like limited resources. And I mean, I, we feel very similar every time there's some challenge. I'm like, the answer is in our network. I know it is. Yeah. And then the question is like, how do you find it without it being a whole other job? But again, I think one of the things that's really key is when you're surrounded by these radically generous women, it's getting into relationship with each other. So as much as we can actually figure that out, have you been working with any activators to help you with any part of your business so far? No. Not yet? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. But we, you know, we're really keen. I guess it's that finding someone who, who wants to align with us. And I guess it's a, it's a New Zealand thing that whole, oh, we don't want to interrupt someone else's time or take them away from what they're doing. And we're probably not quite as brash and, and upfront. I think Robin and I could be probably a bit more proactive, but we still, yeah, we, we're so consumed by this business that sometimes we need to kind of stop and have a think about, you know, what our asks are you know, sometimes you get lost in everything that's going on. I think that's why NJ Ryan is so incredible is she does manage to get us to focus on what our needs are. And she's absolutely nailed what Robin's skills are and what my skills are. And that was what was so amazing. One of the things that was so amazing about the retreat was really identifying what my strengths were and what Robin's strengths were and what that left. And that was a real turning point for our company because we could really see where we needed to employ, what their skills were and what Robin and I needed to focus on. But there's still quite a lot of work um, for us to do around that in terms of creating those relationships to keep moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the things that we've noticed. It's a five-year loan with CEO, and so you have time. And everyone's on a different cadence at different stages. Some people jump right in and have time and very specific skills that they can find in the network quickly. Others, like you said, you're buried, just getting started. So many things to deal with. And then I think over time, when you work with a coach, isn't it amazing to work with a coach? Oh, my goodness. She's magic sauce. MJ is one of the CEO coaches and she just has, I don't know what it is, some kind of magic wand to help us with whatever we need when we need it. But again, having time to sort of step back and lift your head up out of the business a little bit, I think is, yeah. can be really, really and helpful. I think we're heading towards that stage now, which is really, I think we can see the light as we, we have some staff that, well, all our staff are amazing and that we know that if we needed to take two days out of the business now, we could do that and just go and, and we should actually do it soon. Mary and I should just go and sit somewhere and just brainstorm for a couple of days and then work out a proper plan going forward. Whereas before, there was no way we could do that because we had to answer customer emails or send out the product ourselves. And, you know, there was just no window to get away. Yeah, it's all in following the flow and not being guilty about it. It's like, okay, we can't get that done right now. Say la vie. Let's step back for a minute, take a deep breath. When you start out your day, do you guys check in at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day or is it, is it ad hoc? Like what kind of structure do you have in place for connecting? We have a full team meeting on a Monday morning. Robin and I, uh, <laughs> ad hoc, possibly, we start touching base with each other uh, probably first thing in the morning and we finish touching base with each other probably pretty late in the evening. We are in actually in con constant contact. Yeah. First thing in the morning, it's, it's about work. 
Last thing at night tends to be some stupid photo of a dog dressed up in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> we would probably speak or message, I would say, at least six or seven times a day. Getting back to the relationship between Robin and myself, one of the first conversations that we had about starting a business was my concern that our friendship was the most important thing to me and it was more important than a business. And I was worried about maintaining that, that that was my priority. And Robin was like, ah, don't worry, we'll be fine, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And, and we really are. You know, we really enjoy each other's company, even if it's not about the Hello Cup. So that's still the greatest, like, you know, we, we've got an amazing product, we've got an amazing business, we've created this team we're so proud of. We're doing it together and however cheesy that sounds, that is just such a joy and, you know, we, we love it and we're having a really good time and, and I'm a nurse and I, I love being a nurse and, you know, there are times where I really miss being on, a, on the ward or, you know, caring for patients, which I still get to do occasionally, but, I, you know, I'm where I want to be and, and we're really, you know, we're doing it together. It's, it's totally awesome. I mean, I really do think that this is what business can be, right? It's not some like, okay, put your friendship aside. Now we're talking business, right? And divorcing it from the deep relationship that you have. I mean, it's such a joy to be able to co-create together and to do something that has meaning and to have your daughters doing part of this and built-in distribution network. Well done, ladies. <laughs> uh, like, it's cool uh, to be able to do business this way. And I, so I want to thank both of you for being amazing role models in New Zealand and beyond uh, and for being part of the awesome uh, CEO network. And I wonder, do you have an ask or something that you would like to leave? What do you want people to do after they listen to this podcast? The move is into the U.S., so connections within the U.S. would be amazing, especially around um, the warehousing 3PL world, which is huge. It's same connections, but for my area, which is more the marketing side of the business, would be any connections. People, I'm going to relocate next year, so in 2020, to the U.S. for a few months. We can have someone, me, on the ground to be able to meet people face-to-face because -face, we feel that's really important. Anyone who's out there that is able to or know someone that, you know, we should meet, basically, whether it's, whether it's media influencers or stores that we should be in. Awesome. Well, we will definitely help with that. And we can't wait to have you over here as well. And thank you very much, both of you, for your leadership and for all you're doing in the world. Aww, thank, thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you. thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about CEO, please visit us at CEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.